This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Welcome back to the podcast, listeners. We're so glad that you're with us. I'm John, and I'm on here with my co-host, Jalen. We are the hosts of the Bamboo Pastors podcast. It's good to be with you. Um, Jalen, how are you doing? It's always good to hang out. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, doing well, John. Good to see you and talk to you as always. Um, so I think I mentioned before, but our oldest is in middle school now. He's a sixth grader and he just started playing on the basketball team. And that's been really exciting for me. Obviously, that's one of the sports that I love playing. And But most of the schools that they play, they're junior varsity team which is where jackson plays he's in the jv they start in seventh grade so the kids oh the seventh graders tend to be a little bit bigger than sixth graders uh but for my son he's really small right so he's actually i think the smallest boy in his class in sixth grade and so when he's out there he's very small but you know he's also like really scrappy he's also you know, just he works hard. And so I'm, I'm excited to see him out there. And it's been fun. They've had two games already. Didn't win either game, but that's mm. okay. Uh, having fun. And it's just, for me, exciting to, to watch him play and watch him enjoy a sport that I enjoy as well. So uh, that was fun to do, fun to see. And I'm excited that he's doing that. So uh, how are you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, very excited that uh, your oldest is on the basketball team. Uh, I hope someday to be able to watch him play. And uh, if he's anything like you, I'm sure he'll be just fine on that team. So um, I've been good. I think this week's been a little rough, actually. Um, Not, you know, because of anything like serious, but I did get my COVID booster shot um, on Monday. And I kind of knew that it might be a bit of an issue going into it because when I got my second dose, you know, six months ago, more than six months ago um it really messed me up for a few days but uh sure enough um i got my shot on monday and it wiped me out for like a good three days um you know it took me two full days to even feel like i was like going back to normal and so i'm thankful for modern medicine i'm thankful for this booster shot especially right before um traveling and and uh heading back to chicago for the holidays but uh, oh man I, I don't know what it is about flu-like symptoms but it really really messes me up and so i guess on the topic of basketball i you know one of the legendary games that michael jordan played was with flu-like symptoms in the playoffs and i do not know how he how he did that because man for me i was like i was like in the fetal position for you know almost 36 hours straight it felt felt like so but i'm better now um, you know, things are good. Ministry has been going really well. Uh, we actually, our church is gearing up for a big young adult retreat at the end of the year. And um, we've been very uh, excited about it, anticipating it. Actually, one of our 
previous guest is our retreat speaker, um, Enoch Liao. Uh, but we have not done anything like this for, for probably close to at least a decade. Um, have a, a big young adult retreat, college students, young adults, everything. Haven't done this in a, in a really long time. And, uh, and so, you know, we, were, we weren't quite sure how many people were going to go, how many were going to sign up. And so I, you know, had to make decisions when we were booking the retreat site about, um, you know, how many people we would anticipate in order to give them the number. And so uh, our minimum that we had to get was like 50. So we're like praying, please, Lord, let there be 50. So at least we don't have to pay for spots that aren't taken, you know, and um, it was really exciting because this past Sunday was our early registration deadline and we passed um, 51, we're like 51, 52 right now. Uh, with still time to go to to register and probably still a few more people that may end up coming. And so it's been very exciting uh, for our church. I think, yeah, starting to build some momentum heading towards this retreat and can't wait for it. So yeah, it's been a good week. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're better. I'm glad you're on the mend. And I am looking forward to seeing you when you're back here in Chicago. Uh, we are planning to hang out. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, I mean, you know, anytime when, you know, our churches start to get back together doing the stuff that we were doing, I think that's always a great thing, right? And especially for the young adults, that'll be really cool to have them hang out and be in fellowship together and um, hear from God's word from, from Enoch, uh, which, will be, which will be really cool. So uh, glad for that. Well, today on the podcast, we're excited to welcome Reverend Dr. Daniel Wong. Uh, he is an itinerant speaker who has years of experience preaching, pastoring in ethnic churches, and teaching Christian ministries uh, in a university. Uh, so he's uh, spent time as an English ministry pastor uh, at the Toronto Chinese Baptist Church from 1982 to 1986, and then the English ministry pastor at the Scarborough Chinese Baptist Church from 1986 to 2000. Um, and, and as we said earlier, he's also, uh, he was served as the department chair and associate professor of Christian ministries at Tyndale University in Toronto. Uh, he was teaching full-time from 2000 to 2020. Um, and so uh, we're excited to have him on here. Uh, recently, he co-authored a book with Matthew Kim. It's called Finding Our Voice, A Vision for Asian North American Preaching, uh, which was published last year. And so we're really excited to have Daniel on. Uh, John, you and I both enjoy and love the process of preaching. And so this is something that I think we're really excited to talk to, to Daniel about. So Daniel, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for the invitation to join you. Daniel, it's great having you uh, with us on the podcast. And I know Jalen just kind of gave us a rundown of the many, many stops that you've been uh, a highlight of your journey. But I was wondering if you could share with us uh, maybe some of the uh, some of the moments that really stuck out in your journey, and then also uh, a bit of your calling into ministry and, and into the uh, particular area of ministry that you spent you know twenty years serving in. Uh, I was born in San Francisco. And my early years, I attended a Chinese church in the San Francisco Chinatown. But I became a Christian at the Bay Area Chinese Bible Church. And I followed my Christian education director, Reverend Alvin Louie, to Moody Bible Institute and also Dallas Theological Seminary. So uh, I basically had that idea that um, if I want to use my life, uh, I might as well use it for God and become a full time pastor in a bit of a naive uh, sort of way. So as I was seeking ministry following seminary, there wasn't seemingly opportunities to serve an English ministry in a Chinese church in the U.S. at the time. And so there were 
opportunities in Canada. And so that's why we ended up coming to uh, Toronto in 1982 to serve in the immigrant churches in Canada, particularly the second generation ministries. And so um, like, I think more of my affirmation toward preaching was mainly through my uh, doctor of ministry studies at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. So through there, and I also did some advanced study through the University of Toronto, I was able to uh, get some teaching starting at Tyndale Seminary and then uh, being hired on and asked to consider the position of Christian ministries where my uh, every year I've taught um, a preaching course up through 2020. So basically 1997, when I did a course in seminary preaching up through 2000 to uh, be teaching preaching. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And obviously, as you've, as you've talked about, you know, your, your different stops, obviously preaching has been a, a thread or a theme that has been running through your ministry. And you've written this book recently, again, it's called Finding Our Voice, A Vision for Asian North American Preaching. I think for any church, we'd agree that preaching is pretty central to the, the work of the church and in the ministry. Um, and, and what you seek to do in this book is to help preachers, especially in the Chinese Heritage Church, uh, really address the heart of the Asian North American experience. Um, and what we know for, for you know, the three of us who are uh, Chinese Americans, uh, there's often a struggle of identity, uh, the perpetual foreigner, the model minority. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit, explain about how Asian North American preachers can begin to establish a healthy self-identity for both themselves and then for the congregation as well? I think all of us have struggled with uh, the idea of identity. I think being a visible minority, of course, uh, a number of the anti-Asian uh, experiences. And so everyone has had probably a plethora, a, a variety of different experiences growing up. Uh, I, I'm sure I came to that point of why, God, did you make me like this? Like, you know, I have that exterior of being Chinese, but very Western. And there's always a lot of assumptions, not only in society, where people will speak to you in, in Chinese. I think particularly now that I'm older, they usually start with Chinese before they do start with English. Uh, and um, in fact, one time I was in this Chinese restaurant and I was shamed because my daughter was speaking English. In fact, it was so odd because uh, the waitress said something like, how are your grandchildren going to speak Chinese if your daughter doesn't speak Chinese? Like, whoa, like how did that go from there to there to there? But, uh, you know, we all have those uh, different experiences of uh, who we are. And um, particularly, you know, I find that um, I've actually felt like a minority even within the Chinese church where, there's been a minor, um, a majority of Chinese speaking, whether Mandarin or Cantonese. Oftentimes, the main meetings will be in in Chinese, uh, and um, thankfully, many much of that has changed. But it just kind of feels like, like where is my place? Who am I within this? In fact, you know, when I first came to Toronto, I would say there was only one person that was similar to myself someone who was similar to my age as being 
a Canadian born Chinese and I was American born Chinese. So I think why many of us might feel that there are peers within the church as pastors or lay people, uh, often we, uh, we don't connect uh, with other people. But I, I feel like a healthy self-identity really, as I bring up in the book, is finding our identity in Christ, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, about being new persons in Christ. I like a couple of other verses, Romans 15, uh, 7, which talks about accepting others as Christ has accepted you. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, where the Apostle Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I think there's some implication about that, about you know, accepting who he was as a Hellenistic Jew, but also accepting who we are with, with whatever background, whatever experiences we have. So uh, I feel that um, it is who we are and who we are becoming culturally and uh, as far as our identity is concerned. But I, I would say there's certainly a lot of assumptions about us. And I remember when there were a lot of, of um, refugees uh, from Vietnam and people would you know, talk to me at, in the grocery store, and then they would hold up like five fingers and say, $5, you know, and until I spoke, they kind of assumed that I didn't speak English. So there's all this uh, types of assumptions that we have. And uh, a lot of it um, can be pretty humorous. Uh, but oftentimes, it's quite hurtful as well, of our experiences that we have. Yeah, I think, you know, as you're talking about um, just for pastors, uh, especially in the Chinese Heritage Church, um, having to first wrestle or all of us really having to first wrestle with with our identity. I know for myself, like in different seasons of my life have really uh, understood or valued my heritage differently uh, in different mm -hmm. places, um, you know, in in settings where I was like a young pastor. Um, with a mostly first generation leadership that I was working with, um, you know, I, I definitely had to respond in a certain way or maybe a certain part of my ethnic identity uh, or my heritage as a Chinese American um, kind of bubbled to the surface. But then in other places, like in college, when I was one of uh, maybe two or three Asian Americans on my floor at Bible college, surrounded by a bunch of um, white guys, like a very different side of me, I think, kind of bubbled to the surface. And so I, I think in those situations, as I was maturing and um, kind of figuring out who I am in Christ, you know, I, I don't think I really understood what it meant to, to wrestle with my own identity uh, or to it, it just kind of naturally, I leaned one way into one part of this duality or, or another part more than the other you know, at a, in a different season. And so it wasn't until maybe more recently, uh, as I've gotten older, that I've really begun to wrestle with like, okay, how does, how does my identity actually shape the way that I act, the way that I uh, process stuff? And, you know, after reading your book, shape the way that I preach, because I don't think that's something that I really thought about until, you know, I was able to read through your book. And so Jalen and I are very thankful for um, for this book that you've written, um, because I think it's such a valuable resource uh, for 
for pastors and especially pastors in the Chinese Chinese Heritage Church. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in in that book, you talk about something that you call uh, or that you and Matthew together. I don't remember who particularly addressed this um, in that particular chapter, uh, but you called it a hybrid hermeneutic and um, as it relates to preaching. And we know that, you know, our study of God's word is is kind of the foundation on which our preaching is built. And so can you explain really what that means uh, to our listeners and why that's so necessary when it comes to, um, you know, serving in the Chinese Heritage Church, serving in the Asian North American context? Mm -hmm. By the hybrid hermeneutic, we mean that um, combining the Western and Eastern cultures as we think about uh, biblical interpretation. So most of us uh, have been trained in our Bible college and seminaries pretty well with a, a Western perspective, uh, pretty rational, studying the text often with, you know, what is it saying, interpreting and uh, observing and applying, but as if it was uh, very universal. And what we're saying is that yes, we are to preach the word, you know, 2 Timothy 4.2, and we are to get to the heart of the scripture of understanding it in its context, which we strive to do. But I would say that it's really often with the eyes that we bring to the text, it may give us a certain view and understanding of the scripture. In other words, uh, sometimes with if we were to look at it from one way uh, and, and one person looks at it from one, like all three of us look at the text, we might draw out some observations that might be different based on our experience or our way of reading and, and so forth. And I think the same thing is um, what we're saying is that we need to continue to think about the Eastern culture's influence. A lot has been done recently about honor and shame. We've also thought about kind of collectivistic ways of looking at it. And also we're often influenced by Confucian ideals about moralistic types of ways of looking at things. So uh, like saving face again is another something that um, it may be brought into the way that we understand passages and the way that we apply passages. So what, I'm, what we're just saying is that coming from uh, our Asian North American perspective, we can combine the Western and the Eastern and see things from a, a broader way. In other words, if you have like a, a man and a woman who look at the text, often they will look at a biblical text differently or different things will come to light. Similarly, people of different uh, class, social classes also might see, you know, justice, oppression, or privilege, uh, other things from the text. So I just, just I get a fuller understanding of the text and how it, we interpret it and how we apply it comes from this broader perspective. And I think more people are saying that... Um, we continue to re-examine the text. We continue to bring other uh, eyes to look at the text so that we can um, just see it in a, 
in a broader way. Yeah, and I think that's su- super helpful because, you know, maybe even subconsciously or unconsciously, we are, you know, subconsciously we're 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 bringing that to the table already, mm-hmm. just in our experience, in the way that we've been brought up. But I think to be thoughtful about it is so important as well, because then that helps us to apply the word of God better to our context and better for our our congregation. And so I really appreciate that. Um, that thought of the hybrid hermeneutic. Are there are there particular um, theologians or are there particular uh, uh, books or resources that you would recommend as a good place to go uh, as, as we're seeking to maybe develop a, a little bit better of this hybrid hermeneutic? Well, definitely Matthew has done more work on the hermeneutic side and he's the, he crafted this uh, chapter it has to do with hermeneutics. So he's written about hermeneutics and homiletics in different viewpoints, uh, plus other others who could be uh, helpful, could be uh, like Amos Young would uh, have another perspective, particularly from kind of the Pentecostal viewpoint. But uh, I, I think we continue to, to work and struggle at it. I know you had uh, Daniel Ng on, and I was interested that he had like a uh, paraphrase, an honor-shame paraphrase of James that he, a little small one that he published. So I know he's like one who's thinking about biblical text and looking at it from different ways, particularly I would think at the honor-shame way of uh, what we see from the text. As I was thinking about this question, you know, I would say I'm, I'm a novice at this. I'm not conversant with all the Asian culture background and uh, hermeneutics, but I would, as uh, if I were preaching a passage, I would, I may want to ask someone from a first generation perspective, what they see from the passage and what are the questions that arise, but also from maybe other generations of of, uh, of people. So we get different eyes to look at the passage, which raises questions for our exploration as the preacher. So uh, I find that this collaborative idea of preaching, or at least pulling from different sources, because we basically only draw from our own experience when we preach. I'm sure for you guys, when you in your illustrations, it's been more walking through those, your uh, journey of life. And so your illustrations would reflect, you know, your, your son playing basketball. That's going to be, you know, the future Jeremy Lin. That's, that's going to be the illustration. But at a later time, it's going to be when he may be older. So often it reflects our own life stage in terms of illustration and application. But we need to draw from other sources so that because our congregation is often more diverse. You know, something that going back to something that Jalen said earlier uh, that that I just really find um, has been true for myself is, is this is something, you know, having this hybrid hermeneutic, looking at, at and understanding scripture um, through the lens of our own culture and our, our own identity. Um, it, it's always been something that we've done subconsciously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's just natural to, to who we are and that our experience really shapes the way that we, the lens through which 
we look at the Bible. Um, but I think it, for me, the, the key really was learning to be intentional about that um, rather than just kind of accidentally finding my way into um, maybe preaching in a, in a very relevant way to a, a, an Asian American uh, or Asian North American context. And, and I think about it, you know, I, it, for years as a youth pastor, you know, we're already doing that in, in many ways, right? For when you're preaching to young people, you will contextualize and, you know, approach scripture uh, in a way that really helps them to understand uh, the God of the Bible. And you have to think about how does a teenager understand what I'm about to say to them? Um, and so why wouldn't we apply that, you know, through a cultural lens uh, or, or to towards our congregation um, from an predominantly, uh, you know, Chinese or Asian background. Um, and, and I think for me, it was helpful to have examples from your book that really showed how to do that, or maybe like, this is one, one example of what that looks like. And, and I know for myself, um, even in the last um, sermon I preached uh, just recently, I was preaching from the life of Moses. And I don't think I've ever really un looked at Moses as someone um, like me, right? Uh, as someone who has wrestled with dual identity and lived in this tension in between, you know, different identities. I never really looked at Moses that way, um, you know, or at least didn't emphasize that in a sermon. Um, but then I, I was kind of reading it and realizing, wait, you know, Moses has an Israelite background, grew up in, you know, the courts of Egypt, spent time in exile in Midian before going back to the people of Israel. And he definitely is someone that is probably kind of wrestling through multiple identities and trying to figure that out. And I, I think it was maybe the first time I really at least was intentional about thinking about that um, and how that might uh, develop into something that would be very relevant for the people I was preaching to. And so um, yeah, I think for me, that was something that I really appreciated from your book is the section on hermeneutics. Right. A lot of people do consider the idea of analogy. So one of my professors, Stephen Ferris, uh, developed more of this preaching by analogy. So looking what is an understanding of the biblical text and what are some parallels to uh, our contemporary world and our own life. So just like you were mentioning uh, John, about Moses, like how do we connect what experiences, what what angst do we have, what uh, what are the struggles uh, being amidst cultures and, and trying to be faithful to God? Yeah, and just a moment ago, you were saying that it, it's healthy and helpful to ask questions of, you know, the first generation or even people in your own congregation, if we're part of English ministries at Chinese heritage churches, what are some helpful questions you find that uh, that you can ask your own congregation or you know somebody who's serving in a in an English ministry at a Chinese Heritage Church. What are some questions that we could ask that would help help us build a more robust Asian North American theology or to have this hybrid hermeneutic? What are some good questions that we could ask that way? Well, certainly, um, I I have intentionally asked people like what what is their connection to the text? What are the questions they have. So that helps to draw out that additional perspective. The one that I often refer to is the person that 
uh, was in the wheelchair. And I asked him, according to Hebrews 12, what does it mean to run the race for you? So he said, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. So he told me later, he said, my friend was in a wheelchair race. He got a flat tire. He just continued uh, in the race. So not exactly culture, of course, but just to say that looking from another perspective, we can see it. And I use that illustration during the sermon. And I just said in a wheelchair race. And all of a sudden, what does that provide us? It provides another way of looking at the text. There are other ways of running the race outside of the, uh, you know, physically running it. So I think similarly, that those are the type of questions is, what are different ways of looking at the text? What do we ourselves bring to the text in terms of our own experience, our own perspective? I, I would also say that we have to think about our own uh, church heritage, like because there is a, probably a history of interpretation that exists within that corpus already that the church may be like in my context, Baptist or Pentecostal, and there's already a certain way of looking at the text, which needs to be affirmed and critiqued. So uh, also, of course, as I mentioned, um, not only history, but denominationally, and what are kind of those hot buttons as well, it could be something, uh, a, a certain different theologies or that have been struggles in the past. So I think, again, just to examine our own background, our own history, and of course, as the preacher, we need to examine our own journey, because uh, it, that does certainly have to uh, play in how we come about um, our own perspective on passages and scripture and theology. So I think a lot of this needs to have a lot of personal reflection, but also with the church, because we are that community that becomes, in a sense, an interpretive community as well of, of uh, hermeneutics and theology as we uh, work together at being the church in a particular location. Yeah, and I think all three of us are familiar with the fact that most of like theological training, Bible training, uh, here in the U.S. has been through a Western lens, has been from a Western perspective. Um, and, and so I'm curious, you know, have you ever had any pushback on your book or on this idea of having a contextualized hermeneutic uh, or Asian North American preaching? Have you had any pushback that that's, you know, straying from uh, what would be considered, quote unquote, like a faithful interpretation of, of the text? You know, like, how do you address that concern with people mm -hmm. if, if they brought it up at all? Well, certainly there are people who would say that we're just supposed to preach the word and irrespective of our own backgrounds, our own cultures. So that that comes out, you know, on occasion, uh, definitely some people are are pushed back on the idea of other other viewpoints or other ways of looking at the text as if there were one 
interpretation, one way of looking at the text. So, you know, there has been some, some people. I, I recently received um, a, well, it was just kind of like a, a, a tweet that came back to me, which was, I, I was saying that I don't think I've, I read any book uh, from basically an Asian American person in my years in, in Bible college and seminary. And the person said, they, they said, oh, well, I hope you don't choose books based on the person's ethnicity. And so we went back and forth a bit, but I could see from that person's viewpoint, it, they, did, they wouldn't even think about like, oh, should, should there not be another perspective, another voice, another person to look at outside of the usual corpus of the accepted uh, authors that they may follow, which probably end up mostly white males. In, uh, that is usually what we have read in the past. But I uh, know I'm, I'm very glad that we are hearing and seeing more voices, more people that are willing to speak out and to provide a perspective in the African-American community, Hispanic, uh, Asian-American, uh, et cetera. So uh, yes, I, there, is, um, there is concern or there is a pushback for the contextual idea of preaching. But as we talked about, I think all preachers contextualize whether they admit it or not. And probably in the idea of using illustrations, uh, examples, they may be using historical examples or, or other things like that, but that also represents their worldview or viewpoint, what they include or what they exclude. That's why I tell my students, I said, the most important thing is what you include in the sermon, but also what you exclude from the sermon, because those choices are very important in what you are presenting. Yeah, that's good. And I, and I can't help but think also, and I think you mentioned this in the book as well, but, you know, the, the, the human authors of the Bible come from different backgrounds and different cultures, and they have different experiences. And so, you know, God, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're writing out of their context, they're writing out of their experience, they're writing out of their own, you know, cultural you know, background and even baggage and their heritage. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that gives us also the freedom and the license to do the same as we're preaching, as we're looking at the word of God and trying to come to a faithful interpretation of it, but with the background and the context and the culture that God has given to us. And so I really appreciate that you're shining a light, especially for us um, who are in Chinese heritage churches, who are, you know, Asian, North American and preaching to Asian North American congregations. It is so beneficial for us. It is needed for us. And, and so I'm grateful that you highlight that. You, you know, your book is called Finding Our Voice, A Vision for Asian North American Preaching. Are there, are there any other thoughts or ideas that you'd want to share with us about how we can develop our voice as Asian North American preachers, as, you know, those who are serving in Chinese heritage churches? I think the main thing is... Uh we come from a background where we imitate other people's voices and probably now with all of the uh, so many you know, preachers that we may follow, we tend to imitate maybe our professors of preaching or people we admire. And it's hard to find our own voice, which comes out of 
our own experience, our own perspective. And I think the difficulty comes with the inner struggle. I, I always say the hardest person to preach to is yourself because you know your own weaknesses and your own foibles. So working through that exploration of who we are in Christ, giving thanks for those various experiences we've had along the way, that helps us to understand who we are and then to develop our preaching and our sermons again on how God leads us and what we call as incarnational. It's really expressing that sermon through who we are and what we've experienced. And I've called some people sermon. I said, well, that is really incarnational because you shared about your experience and what that passage meant to you and how it changed you. And I think that's really the voice that comes out of the voice of the preacher. And we're also talking about what might be our voice, which could be a collective voice. A collective voice could be among other preachers. Like how could we speak for something together as, as a voice for justice or a voice for, for the church? So I think we're trying to encourage not only individual voices, but how we might join together as collective voices like you guys. I think you guys, you know, as your podcast, you have a collective voice between the two of you. And I think that's great. I think we need to see more of that. Yeah, we, we love just, uh, I think, hearing from you and uh, having you share about preaching because it's, uh, it's an area of ministry that both of us believe is powerfully used by God to transform lives. I know for uh, when I've looked at Jalen and seen his ministry, I've definitely known preaching to be one of his skills and giftings. And for myself, it's an area where I really feel like God is developing uh, in me in this season of my life more than in a previous season or part of the journey. And so um, the book that you have written or co-authored uh, has been just uh, such a resource for, for both of us. And we're really thankful for that. You've already given us tons of advice on the subject of preaching, but as we wrap up the podcast, um, is there any piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in a Chinese heritage church, maybe that uh, might even not be centered on preaching specifically, but um, something that you would encourage them with? I would say affirm your calling. I assume that God has led the individual to that particular church. We all run into the roadblocks, the resistance, the criticism, and probably people think about and may end up leaving quite early. Usually it takes a number of years to develop the credibility, the, the impact of the ministry. So look to the Lord and not to our egos. We all have aspirations for ourselves and for the congregation and church, but um, it requires a lot of patience to hang in there, to you know, work with the system. I've encouraged interns. They say, well, I'd like to do this in the church and change this. I said, first thing you need to do is to listen and learn from the church. Like, what, what have they gone through? What are the challenges? And from there, you might be able to develop a strategy, but mainly start as the listener. So if you, to synthesize that, it's really to affirm your calling 
because you know that is off we're often on shaky ground if we don't go back to our calling to that particular ministry at that particular time god could lead you to another place another location but uh, we got to keep our hearts right and develop this heart for the lord yeah, thank you for that, Daniel. Such a great piece of advice for not just young pastors, but also seasoned pastors, something to keep in mind to continue affirming our call. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, Daniel, we're so thankful for your time with us. And again, the book, Finding Our Voice, A Vision for Asian North American Preaching. Uh, John and I want to commend this to our listeners. Uh, has been a great resource, as John has said. And uh, if you get a chance to you know, get your, your hands on a, a copy of it, whether digitally or in print, it would be well worth your time. And so um, again, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate this time together. Thank you for the invitation. Feel free to, for your listeners to reach out to me as well. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.